Today, I want to just give you the disclaimer. Today, we're, we're speaking on Ephesians again, and we're diving into chapter 5 of, F, F, of the book written to the people of Ephesus. And we're actually going to be speaking about marriage and family. So I want to go ahead and just let you know that some of the words that I'm going to be using are some of those words that you probably want to talk to your kids when they're older. So if you, so if you want to make provision or you want to head towards kids' church, I understand. I'm obviously going to keep everything godly, but just to let you know we're going to be talking about a topic in marriage that um, it's, it's very important to talk about. The Bible speaks about it, and we want to talk a little bit about it. Um, I also want to give this disclaimer as we look at the portion of Scripture that talks about marriage and family. I want to say this. Just because we're not married, some of us I know may not be married today. Uh, some of us are too young to even consider that. Praise God. And, uh, you know, what I, what I want us. What I want you to understand is that when God teaches us something in Scripture, when God teaches us something uh, about the way that we are to live our lives, oftentimes, every time, He teaches us who He is. So as we're looking at the Scripture today and we focus on marriage, pay attention to who God is, what God is teaching or saying about Himself. I also want to give this disclaimer as we talk about marriage, and that's this, that uh, we're talking about marriage today not because it's greater than being single. Amen? We're talking about marriage today not because it's greater than being single. It's an honorable thing to be single unto the Lord, right? The greatest people that ever lived, lived single lives unto the Lord, right? The Bible says that when you're single, you can do more for the Lord. It also says that when you're married, there will be trouble. It says, it says those things, right? I'm not speaking greater or I'm just speaking about something that is a part of biblical teaching, something that you and I need to hear. Singlehood and, and, and marriage is both important and, and has great importance in the kingdom of God. Is that all right? So as we're looking at the portion of scripture today and we talk about marriage and the image of God within marriage, I want us to ask ourselves these questions. What is God? What, what is the scripture teaching us about God? Amen. We go to that next slide. What, is that, what does it say about God, the scripture that we're about to read, and what does it say about us? What does it say about God, and what does it say about us, the way that we are to live, and so forth? So we're in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, and we're going to read those scriptures. But before we go there, it's important that I go all the way to Genesis and kind of paint a picture of what God intended for relationships in the first place. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 on down reads this way. Then God said, let us make men in our image, according to our likeness. You see that? Let us make men in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created men in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. What I would like for us to notice in this portion of scripture is that God made us. He made us in his image. Both men and women created in the image of God. Do you see that today? Now that's very interesting when God says, let us make men in our image. Who is he talking to? Well, we know that he's not talking to angels. Amen. Amen? But we know that he is talking about the community that existed from generations past. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let us make men in our image and in our likeness. Interesting. We've not only been made in the image of God, but there's, 
It's not necessarily speaking about how we look physically as much as it is speaking about authority and dominion and choice. You see, we have been created to have dominion. We have been created to have authority. We have been, uh, and we express the image and the likeness of God as we walk in authority, as we make choices, as we possess, and as we walk in wisdom above all other creatures, as God has wisdom over every part of his creation, we are walking in the image and operating in the likeness of God. Are you with me so far? Amen. We are made in his image. We were created to reflect God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which means that you and I together, not individually, reflect him. Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Praise God. I'm so glad the Lord said it is not good that man should be alone. He said, I will make him a helper comparable or suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But, but for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable or comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept. Well, it doesn't take much for me to be in a deep sleep. I can be in the mid-conversation. Yeah, it was... <laughs> My wife will tell you, she is, she is long-suffering. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now when we look at this portion of scripture, we see the institution of marriage. All the way in Genesis chapter 1, a God is instilling the value and the purpose and what marriage is supposed to look like. Number one. We see in this portion of scripture that we are made in the image and likeness of God, both men and women. Secondly, God has walked in eternal communion and marriage reflects who God is, right? As we see the portion of scripture that we just read, we see the God that Adam and Eve are walking in the, in the image of God as God allowed them to take part in the naming of the animals. You ever consider that? He is God. Who's better to name his crea creation than God, right? God's going to come up with a better name, you know? It's like getting your favorite dog, this bull mastiff that looks awesome, majestic, and then telling your three-year-old girl to name the dog. Please don't call it pretty, please. Please don't call it, right? God, God, God began to allow humanity to get involved in his creation process. He brought Adam and Eve, Adam in and said, Adam, name the animals. So they are walking with God, creating, with, being a part of his creative process. And that's how they were becoming like God. But also, they were like God in the unity, right, of men and women. I want to say this, physical intimacy, according to scriptures here when you read, physical intimacy is, a, is, is from God, amen? Sex 
was invented by God, not the devil. Sex is a joyous, beautiful, holy, holy thing that God created for the purpose of one man and one woman, that they would enjoy each other. And in doing so, right, in enjoying each other and walking in intimacy, they would reflect the unity that exists in the heavens. It's incomprehensible to us. But it makes sense, doesn't it? That the devil would take something and destroy it. Something that God meant to be something beautiful to point the reality of who God is. The reality is that God walks in perfect humanity, uh, unity. In perfect unity. Now he is spirit. And he's made us with flesh. And in our flesh, we, we, we become united. Husband and a wife become united to the beautiful holy act of sex. It belongs to God. Not to HBO. Can I get an amen? amen. Not to YouTube. Not to the internet. It belongs to God. Amen. And so we are made in his image. God has walked in eternal communion and marriage is supposed to reflect who God is. Physical intimacy, intimacy belongs to him and not the, the devil. The union of marriage between a man and a woman reflect the Trinity. Marriage is supposed to be a picture of the unity that exists between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Do you see why God hates divorce? Because if marriage is supposed to reflect him, can you, it's like saying that Jesus and God the Father are no longer walking in accord. How devastating would that be? Why does God hate divorce? Because it doesn't appropriately reflect him. This is why marriage is something that we need to honor because it's supposed to be the very image of God in us. Being representatives of the kingdom on earth. You see how holy and how awesome marriage is? As we move forward then, we see this, that marriage, marriage speaks of the reality that is in heaven. The fact that God created us in and, 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 and such a way and created marriage to reflect them. And in Ephesians chapter 5, as we move forward, Paul speaks to the church about the reality of marriage, what, it lo- what it's supposed to be like, how we're supposed to walk out this marriage deal. And so we're going to read that portion of scripture says this. We're going to be, pick it up at verse 17. This is the way that Paul says to all of the saints, this is the way that we're supposed to walk with each other. I'm going to read it with you. Therefore, do not be foolish, he says to the church, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, he says, why are you wasting yourself, wasting your life, sedating yourself with wine? You know, trying to be someone you're not, or trying to a peace, something you don't, or, or bring a, a false level of peace, why not be filled with the Holy Spirit instead? Yeah. Isn't it much better to be filled with the Holy Spirit that gives joy yeah. than to have the temporary enjoyment of, yeah. of a drink that doesn't feel so good 8 a.m. in the morning? Can I get an amen? amen? Addressing one another, and he tells the whole church, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts. In other words, he tells the whole church, All of the saints, all of the believers, speak life. Don't be gossiping. Don't be slandering. Speak life. Bless each other. Look for opportunities to bless each other. Look for opportunities to encourage each other. It says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we have to have an attitude of thanksgiving. Just thankful. Oh, Pastor, God just made me this way. I think some people need a pessimist in their life. No, I don't. I don't. I'm not one of those. I don't want a pessimist in my life. 
I want thankful people in my life, right? To remind me to worship God no matter where I'm at. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So he tells the whole church, we're to walk in submission. I'm no greater than you, right? You're no greater than me. We reverently walk in submission to each other, honoring each other. And then he speaks about the way that we're supposed to carry ourselves in marriage. Now, why did we go through that scripture before? Because there's a lot of argument today on whether that scripture that says submit to one another out of love. Uh, some people say, well, that's for marriage. Some people say, no, the wife is not supposed to submit to the husband. Or, or the husband's not supposed to submit to the wife. Only the wife to the husband. And they get into arguments. Listen, if the Bible says that we're supposed to submit to one another, doesn't it make sense that that's supposed to be the truth too in marriage? That there is a level of honoring and reverence that exists in marriage, right? If I'm going to submit to my brother, meaning that I'm going to honor them, and I'm going to submit to authority and leadership, and I'm going to listen to the urgency that God's put in their hearts, shouldn't I do that for my wife as well? Does that make sense? And then as we move forward, let's read that portion of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 on down says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church's body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Let me just say to you that because of a lack of respect of this portion of Scripture and a lack of setting up boundaries with our parents, this has caused so much conflict in marriage. The Bible says, leave your father and mother and cling to your wife and cling to your husband, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm going to leave that alone for a little bit. <laughs> this mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay. Wow, what a portion of scripture, a strong portion of scripture. What does that mean? You know, how, how do we apply this portion? Of, how do we interpret this scripture in today's day? Does this make sense today? Is this relevant or is this for a whole nother culture, right? Is this for a whole nother people or is God's true and the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Okay, so then we got to look at the meat of what is God saying here in his word. Number one, the scripture here, I think it's fitting for me to speak to husbands first because it's obvious that God calls husbands to lead the home. So I'm going to look at this portion of scripture and I'm going to speak to husbands today about what the Bible says about husbands in the scripture. Number one, how am I supposed to be a husband? The Bible says to me, that I am to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wow. Wow. 
You, did you ever read that portion of scripture where Jesus is doing the ministry and Peter is like, Jesus, where are you? And Jesus says, Peter, leave me alone. I'm too tired for you. This Peter. Did you ever read the portion of scripture where Jesus saw a bunch of people hungry and he told his disciples, can you tell them to get away? Don't I get some alone time? No, you never see that. Why? Because it's not scriptural. Jesus has compassion over people. And he gave his life for the church, for those who would believe in him. He denied his own desires to die on the cross for his church. Isn't that incredible? Now, how do we know that Jesus didn't want to die on the cross? Uh, he's human. And he said, when he was praying at the Mount of Gethsemane, Father, please, please, if there's some other way, please take this cup away from me. But don't let it be my will. Let your will be done. He was in deep distress, not wanting to die to himself, but he did because of his great love. And now the Bible says, as you look at the life of Jesus, as you look at the way that he lived, as, he, as you look at the way that he ministered to his disciples, and the way that he continued to have compassion, in that same way, husbands, you are to love your wives. I heard a preacher said, say this. He said, listen, if your wife meets all your conditions, when are you ever going to love unconditionally? If your wife doesn't have any flaws, when are you ever going to show grace? And if your wife doesn't make mistakes, then when are you ever going to show mercy? And if you can't show mercy, if you can't extend grace, and if you can't love unconditionally, then when are you ever going to be like Jesus? You with me? Bible says to husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Surrender your life to bless her. Now what does that mean? What did Jesus do for the church? Jesus made the church holy. It's through his sacrifice that he made the church holy and prepared us so that we could be saved, have eternal life, and be in communion with God the Father. In the same way, this is kind of crazy, but it's the scripture. God has called us, right, to be a part of the discipleship process of our wives. The scriptures teach us very plainly that husbands, that we are going to be held accountable on the day that we meet him face to face with the way that we treated our wives and the way that we prepared her to meet her Savior. Did you know that today? Amen. Do you know that you husbands have a responsibility for your wife before the throne? Do you know that with your actions and your words, God's asking you to wash her with the water of your word? In other words, to speak life over her. Do you know, that husbands, that nothing calls out the beauty out of your wife more than you blessing and speaking life and beauty into her? Every time I do a wedding, you can ask this wonderful, beautiful, incredible couple right here. The Lopez couple, right? We did their wedding. And would you give them a hand? They're incredible. Plus, he's a Tigers fan. All right. All right. <laughs> right? Every time I do a wedding, I say to the, the, the groom, I say, every time you speak to your wife, she should feel as if she's still wearing her wedding dress. You're supposed to speak life. That's a challenge for all of us. Amen? It's the truth. We're supposed to wash our wives with the words that we speak with life, speaking the scripture, praying, interceding. Do you know, husbands, that we have a role of intercession in our home? We're supposed to be praying for our home. 
We're supposed to be praying for our wives and our children. We should lead that charge in our home. And then it goes on to say this. Uh, as we look at the scripture in the example here, uh, love your wife as your own bodies. Now, what is, what is that about? Well, the Bible does say, what are the greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And your first neighbor is your wife, right? You know, we were having a Bible study here, and I was talking to a bunch of guys, and I said, tell me, how, I know that you guys feel like you're doing great in loving God with all your heart, soul, and strength, but how well are you doing in loving your neighbor? And, and one guy, after everybody was quiet, he said, well, I'm doing great. Actually, my neighbor, I barely see him, so we have a really good relationship. <laughs> Come on, man. That's not the way it works. <laughs> That's not the neighbor I'm talking about. Your first neighbor is your wife. Those in your house, right? Those around you. Your first Jerusalem is your spouse, then your children, right? Amen. We're supposed to, and let me just say this, though. Our ability to love our wives will be directly affected with our ability to receive the love of God and our ability to love ourselves. The gospel that's receiving Jesus doesn't mean that you have to hate yourself. Can I say that? God doesn't want you to walk around hating yourself. The gospel is not about having low self-esteem. How are you, brother? Well, I'm wretched. I'm terrible. But Jesus is good. What is that? Jesus wants you to love yourself because he loves you. He wants you to see yourself through, the, through his eyes. Instead of looking at you, look at the eyes of the Savior. Look at the eyes of the Scripture and see yourself through the Scripture. Amen? So husbands, you have to love yourselves. Husbands, you have this great responsibility before the throne of God. One day you'll help be held accountable for the way that you led your wife. And I pray that you and I have done everything we can to lead them closer to our Maker as opposed to further. Now, if, as it goes on, 1 Peter chapter 3 reads this way. Our relationship with our wives will not only, uh, 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 the, the way that we love her uh, is not only important for, for the way that, you know, she feels about herself and, and her connection with God, but it also affects us. It will affect our connection with our, with our Lord. First Peter chapter 3 reads this way, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Are you listening to that? Amen. Pay attention to that. The scriptures basically say there that we have to treat our wives with special care. Because if not, our prayers, our prayers will be hindered. Our ability to connect with God is through prayer. And if our prayers are hindered, Amen? Our connection to God will be hindered. Yep. Do not tell me you love Jesus and you're constantly grieving your wife. Doesn't line up to Scripture. You're not praying to Jesus because there's no way you're connected with Him while you're mistreating your wife. There's no way you can say you have discernment when you're speaking death and mishandling what you have in your hands. Your wife is not a rat from, you know, she's not throwaway dishware. She's fine china. That's what weaker vessel means here. Not, oh, she's weak, but this is delicate stuff. And you need to treat her with the honor that you would treat things that are delicate. Tell my wife that she's weak. 
You better have a couch ready for me because your pastor's going to need a couch. Do you know what I mean? You understand what I'm saying? This is not to be interpreted as weak in the sense of incapable, but honorable, delicate in the way that we are supposed to treat our wives. Isn't that incredible? Wives, wives are, are to be loved by husbands as Christ loved the church. And then, as husbands live this out, wives, listen to the word of God for you. The word says to wives, submit to your husband in everything. Submit to your husband in everything. Now, submit has become like a bad word today. You say submit and people are like, they start twitching in their seats and getting uncomfortable. Well, what is, you know, this whole submission thing means that I don't have a will or a desire. No, actually, submission means that you have a will and a desire and you're willing to submit it. Amen. Amen? Submission means that you're willing to put those desires aside to honor your husband. Now, when we look at this portion of scripture, it says submit to your husband in everything. What I want you to start noticing is the Trinity again. Remember, marriage is supposed to reflect God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit teaches us what? Reminds us of what? Who knows? For $20 that Laura will give you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is here to remind us of all the things that Jesus has taught us. So the Holy Spirit leads us to Christ. There's a submission. There's a process where the Holy Spirit leads us to Christ. And what did Jesus come to do? Jesus has come to reconcile us to the Father. Amen. So Jesus is perfectly submitted to the Father, right? You see this beautiful submission. It's not like the Holy Spirit's like, man, that Jesus, I'm doing my own thing. Oh, that's not the Holy Spirit. Right. And by the way, there are movements that look like that. Amen. If the Holy Spirit is moving, and whatever, if there's a spirit moving that doesn't give glory to Jesus, it's not the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? It's a bunch of movements out there. If Jesus isn't being glorified, it's not a movement of God. Right? The Holy Spirit leads to Jesus. Jesus leads to the Father. There's a perfect submission. Again, and, that's, and, and, and so submission for wives, you're supposed to see it as the Trinity. It's a reflection of what's happening in the heavenlies. So you don't see Jesus saying, I don't want to do what the Father's called me to do. You don't see the Holy Spirit saying, I'm rebelling against Jesus. No, instead they're walking in harmony. And so is submission in the Christian home. In the Christian home, the wife is to submit to her husband. Your husband will be held. Uh, why, why, again, why, would, why submit to your husband? Number one, because just like the church submitted to Christ, just like today we're living in submission to Christ, wives are called to submit to their husbands. Now, your husbands will be held accountable for you on Judgment Day or on the Day of Accountability. And there's a great weight of responsibility on his shoulders for his household, a responsibility that you will never bear. But I will also say this. In light of this reality, wives, it doesn't mean that you have the right to act like a fool and not honor God with your choices. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. It doesn't mean that, ladies, that you're off the hook. Because the husbands are the only ones that are going to be held responsible. No, it doesn't mean that at all. You still have choice. And some of us may be at a place where you're saying, well, my husband doesn't know the Lord. My husband doesn't, you know, should I be submitting to him? What does that look like? 
You know, that, there are so many difficult things. And from the altar, I cannot speak to every single complex relationship. But I know this, that the testimony of a wife that loves God can t- turn over a man who doesn't know him. Are you with me? I, I, I can't sit here and talk about the different complexities and the different things and how that plays out, but I will tell you this, that a wife that's walking with the Lord is holy enough and powerful enough to bring a man who doesn't know the Lord to Jesus. Amen? I believe that strongly. And some wives would even go to the extreme of saying, well, maybe I shouldn't be with him because he's making me unholy. You know, well, let me just say this. Then you're saying that the power of the cross is weaker than the power of darkness. Is Christ in you greater than him that's in the world? Or is him that in the world greater than Christ in you? Are you with me? Uh, This is something that we have to really contemplate here. All right. Uh, Let's move forward. In light of this reality, wives also have a responsibility for their relationship with the Lord. And I want to just say this. Like I said to husbands, nothing calls out the beauty in a wife than the way you act and, and speak towards her. That's the truth. But I want to say this to wives, and I say this to brides every time in every wedding. Nothing takes the fight out of a man more than a woman who tears him down with her words. Your man is supposed to lead like a warrior. Your man's supposed to feel like a champ when he leaves his home and goes to work. At work, he's going to be torn apart by the world, right? And the things that he goes through. The number one affirmer in a man's life is a woman who loves God and loves his husband, her, hus- her husband. Amen? Amen. That's, that's so important. I, I always share this with, when I'm talking about this topic because I think it's a great example. I think they should be proud, DJ and Laura. Yeah. You know, sometimes DJ and I, we go and we try to play basketball. We used to play basketball. Now we just try to play basketball. <laughs> we used to have a jump shot. Now we have a tiptoe shot kind of just looks like that. There's no air time, right? So, so I still beat you with all that said, Sandra, so just be careful. So anyways, so anyways you know, in, 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 in the process of that, sometimes you see DJ playing out there, and he's playing with the Young Bucks, and if Laura just catches DJ playing, you'll see Laura just acting crazy. She'll go out there, and she's like, come on, baby, show them how you play. Show them how it's done. They don't got nothing on you. They're like, she is crazy. And she's talking trash. She can't play. Look at him dribble. Come on, baby. Show me. Yeah, that's my baby. That's my baby. And you see DJ's like, oh. But he knows that he plays better when she does that. He has to, right? It's like his manhood to be in question. It's my dignity at stake. Right? It's something serious. Right? My wife is out there. My kids are watching. I'm playing like it's the last game of my life. I'm playing like I'm in warfare. Right? I'm going to truck. I'm going to be Optimus Prime. You better get out of my way. I got something. To, it's just your wife is supposed to be your greatest cheerleader. And I can see DJ. You know, he, his wife's there and she supports him. Let me tell you, I've never seen DJ. Not, he knows who he is in Christ. But have you ever DJ's a picture of a man who knows who he is. Always, always. A man of integrity. Always, to me, he's been a testimony of a man who doesn't put up with sin. Right? And a man who's always confident in who he is. And I believe that a great part of that is the way that woman is to him. Amen? Her affirmation of him. Right? Listen. 
Nothing takes the warrior out of a man than a woman who doesn't know how to uplift her husband. Right? If a husband's going to win the battle in prayer and seeking the Lord, he needs a wife who's going to support him along the way. 1 Peter chapter 3 says to the wives, in regards to what does submission look like? How do we live our lives? He talks about, you know, uh, there, this is a, a scripture and people are like, oh, what is this about? It says don't have makeup, don't have jewelry, don't braid your hair. What's that about? Well, really, I don't, I don't know that it's saying any of that. I believe what it's saying is don't let your beauty just be outward. Amen? Yeah. Don't let your beauty be outward. Let your beauty be from within. Amen? First Peter chapter 3, verse 4, but let your, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Right? Listen, what does that mean, gentle and quiet spirit? You know, I don't know that necessarily we need to perceive this as a personality issue. There are some people who are just more charismatic and louder than others, right? I think this speaks to the way that women are to be within their relationship with their husbands. A quiet, peaceful, joyous assurance that says, I believe in you and I'm supporting you as you make decisions for this house. Amen? A, 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 a way that we speak that doesn't disrespect or bring dishonor to our spouse. Amen? Amen? You know, can I say this? This breaks my heart to see it in the church. When I see, and I'm, I say this humbly, please, women tearing down their men in the church, tearing down their husbands in the church, you're only doing yourself an injustice. You're only suffering more by the way that you speak over your husband. You understand that it reflects the way he carries himself will ultimately reflect on you. I understand that if I'm a strong man, it's because I have a strong woman. And, for, and I, I thank God for her. Amen? Because she makes me who I, part of Part of her strength makes me who I am. And her quiet spirit and her confidence in my leading gives me confidence as I stand behind the pulpit that when y'all hate me, she still got my back. Are you with me? I need that in life. Now I want to speak to another matter about marriage and boundaries. Another conflict that I see, I didn't even plan for it. I'm kind of chanting with you more than following the process. I hope that's okay. And that's this. A husband and wife should leave their family to cling to each other. Husband, leave your father and mother's home and cling to your wife. Can I speak to this? Yes. Your main responsibility, your main covenant outside of your covenant with God is your covenant with your husband or with your wife. Your mother, your father, and everybody else is second. The moment your spouse feels uncomfortable with something your parents are doing, you're the ones who are supposed to say to your parents, you need to stop that. Now, I want to be very frank with you. My mother hasn't known one problem that my wife and I have had in our marriage. 
Not one problem have I told them. Not one conflict have I told her. Why? Because I want my wife, I want my mother to put my wife in a pedestal. Now why is that? Because I live with her. <laughs> Come on, guys. This is... <laughs> and she cooks really good. <laughs> Listen. She is my Jerusalem now. You see what I'm saying? She is my priority. She is the delicate flower God's called me to tend to. If I tell my mother what's going on at the home, I risk my mother being offended at her because she's trying to protect me as her son. And then I'm going to obviously forgive my wife because I'm living with her and I love her. And, you know, and I want us to have unity. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And I want us to walk in communion. I'm, 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 can I speak to adults? For the wife, physical intimacy begins before the bed. Can I get an amen? amen. Right? That's just, we have to remind ourselves of that reality. Now, because of all those, I have to protect my wife. Because I'm, be, I'm, I'm not going to be offended anymore. While my wife, my, my mother, may still be offended. Then all of a sudden when we visit, my mom will be like, Carlo, yo te quiero tanto, amor, como te está? Rebecca, siéntate. <laughs> and she can get like a, like a Spanish soap opera, y'all. It, it could be crazy, right? And oftentimes, you know what I see is that husbands and wives don't have boundaries, and they keep running to their parents or to their close friends, and they begin to take issues that need to stay in the home or go before God the Father or go before mature saints that can walk them through the situation. Yeah. And it begins to create conflict. And let me tell you something, husbands. The moment that your wife thinks that you put your mother above her, you've lost her. You've lost her. Let me tell you something, wives. The moment that your husband, that your husband feels like you put your parents in front of her, you're opening the door for, her, for him to run into another one's arm. doesn't justify his ill behavior, but you're making it easier. Are you with me today? You're loosing him. Cling to each other. Honor each other. Forgive each other. And so be like the image of God. Would you stand with me today? Amen. Thank you for your patience with me this morning. Amen. Father, today as we come before you, we just thank you, God, for all that you're doing in the body. I want to thank you for just giving us a picture of who you are. You always walk in perfect unity with your son. And Lord, we want to reflect that. The love that exists between you to, to be a reflection of what happens in our marriage, Lord. There are some people here who are single. God, I pray that as they heard this message, God, they would see the value, the importance of seeking someone who loves you with all their hearts. The importance, God, of seeking someone who, who's pursuing hard after you. And Lord, I pray that this message will help them to set up boundaries in their lives, to prepare them. If so, whenever you call them, God, for a relationship, but for those, for those who are not married and 
maybe that's not the plan that you have for them, God. I, I thank you that they would know that they are whole and complete in you, that they're not lacking anything, Father God, because they belong to you. Lord, I pray that they would also learn the art of just walking in submission to the church, to, to the body, to each other. Lord, I pray right now for husbands. Lord, I'm asking right now, Father God, that we as husbands would rise to be the warriors you've called us to be. Father, we may be at a place where uh, things are not okay at home, and we may feel defeated, Lord God. We may feel like the walls in our marriage are, are falling down and the enemy's attacking every which way. But I believe that if the husband turns to you, repent, Lord God, and holds on, that you can do mighty things. Father, I pray for husbands to pick up the fight again. Pick up the fight again and believe you for their marriage. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for a fresh anointing over husbands today. A fresh anointing today over husbands today. Lord, I pray for wives. Some, Father God, may find themselves in very difficult places, complex places that we weren't able to talk about. But Lord, I pray for wives today, God, that you would lead them according to your word. Father, that you would strengthen them right where they're at, God. That they will continue, Father God, to grow in this grace of supporting, encouraging, Father God, and speaking life over their husbands. And Lord God, I speak in the name of Jesus. I speak life over them. That they would know that Christ in them is greater than him that's in the world. Oh God, that you would do a mighty work in their lives, lives of the wives here. Encourage them, God. Let there be a fresh anointing over them today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So listen, today, um, what I want to do is just, uh, it's just something different. Maybe you're here with your, with your spouse, your significant other, and you're saying, you know what, I, there's, some, there's some areas we want to bring before the Lord today. Uh, what, I, what I want you to do is not wait for me to pray for you or anything, but if that's you and you're saying you don't want, but you're saying you're needing direction from God or you want, you want your marriage to become stronger, you know that there's some areas that God's convicted you about this morning. Would you come up to the altar and just spend some time praying with each other here at the altar? just want to welcome those marriages that are here. And you're saying, you know what, I want to I stand in the gap for our marriage. I want to make a commitment before God that I will be the man of God God's called me to be. I want to make a commitment today before, uh, before, before God that I will be the wife that God's called me to be. If that's you today and you're saying you, you, you want prayer today, amen, you can come up. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I want to honor God. And I realize that, that a living situation doesn't honor the Lord. Uh, I realize that I, that I need to honor God by being married. I cannot, I cannot live in, in a way that's not pleasing unto God anymore. Would you pray, would you pray for us, Pastor? We love to, we want to honor God. We, we, we want to honor God with our decisions and the way that we carry ourselves with each other. Amen. The altars are open. Amen. God bless you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Go reflect the image of God in all that you are, whether single or married. Be a reflection of the harmony that exists in the kingdom. Amen. God bless you. The altars are open. We'll be praying today.
Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, today we came because my daughter was excited that she was going to get baptized. She's six years old. We've been coming here for like a month. Mm-hmm. Yes. So for me, it's exciting to see her. I wanted to get baptized at this young age. I'm 35 years old. I wasn't born and raised in a church. Mm. My parents never took me to church. I didn't know the Lord mm. until the day I gave birth to her. That was six years ago. Mm. Since then, I turned my life over to God, and um, I got baptized last year. And they were both dedicated to God, so we are following Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Okay. <laughs> I'll give it to you in a minute. Um, I was born and raised in Africa, South Africa. All right. And I was born in a home where there was domestic violence. Mm. I didn't know what it was. Mm. But coming here now, I know what it was. My father was very angry. He was working with the devil. I know now, but I didn't know back then. Mm-hmm. And coming here, I was motivated to do better for myself. I came on a scholarship. I graduated college, and I thought my life was a puzzle that I can put together. Mm. I got a black belt in martial arts. I got married. I thought I would be happy if I did all these things. Yet I got depressed some along the way, mm. suicidal even. And when she was born, I knew that I had to find God and know God. I have a lot of strongholds in my life still. It's like since I got baptized, the devil has been so busy. If it's one, not one thing, it's the other. And my issue was forgiving people who have done wrong to me. Mm. I used to hate so much, hate hard, mm. <laughs> not forgive. And now I know if I continue doing that, it's like I'm drinking poison and waiting for them to die. And... In my relationship as a grown-up, the man that I got into a relationship with, he was like my father. And when I met him, what drew me to him is because he looked just like my father. He loved children, he loved family, he was a charmer, just like my dad. But the same strongholds that my father had, he also had. So domestic violence growing up, domestic violence in the relationship now... Um, the only difference is now I know how to forgive and how to love people. The Bible says love them even when they're hurting you. Comfort them and walk in love like Jesus Christ loves us. Show them mercy by being kind and patient and supportive and forgiving them and not pulling back their past, you know, love doesn't see any wrong, and he hopes in all, and trusts in all. It's really hard to trust when you've been hurt, but the Bible tells us to trust, and for me, it's, it's a very, it's an epiphanic moment to do so, especially since coming to Toledo, Ohio. Of all places, I've been to 37 states. Of all places, I never thought I would wind up in Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> Not even to visit, but to stay. Now I'm here, I'm staying. 
how I got here is another story, but I'm here. And one thing that drew me to this town, even though I came here not willing or even choosing to, is that people in this town are God-fearing people. God-fearing people. And I came to Miss Nancy's home. She was welcoming. When I came to her, we didn't have anything. I was so humbled because I was coming from having everything. We had a home, we had everything we could think of. But when you came to her, we didn't even have any food. And she opened her home to us, and she was very, <laughs> just apples. <laughs> My kids said they just had apples and bananas. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but Miss Nancy was welcoming, and I came to understand what Toledo Gospel Rescue Mission is all about. Just love and mercy. And when I came to her, I had an attitude because obviously I was here when I didn't want to be here. But she loved me more than I've ever been loved by my, by my own parents. And she opened her arms to me, and we go to chapel every day. And my kids, they didn't like the structure there, but it was good because they didn't have that before. And to me, it's a blessing. That's an angel that God sent in my way. We've been in the home for three weeks. Now we have a house, three bedroom and one bathroom. <laughs> and they gave me a job. All right, all right. Yes. And it's humbling experience because I, I used to be a very selfish person. Everything was about self. I graduated college, I got a black belt, I got married, I got kids. It was always I, 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 never God. So being here is teaching me how to step outside myself, how to serve other people, how to love other people without expecting anything back. I was not a saint during all this time that I say I was abused. I had my attitude problems. Now I've learned to fix my attitude, fix my mindset. It is a struggle, but I'm working on it. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Can you sing a song? Huh? Can you sing a song? Oh, yeah, you want to sing a song? Go ahead. They're going to sing a song. You're going to sing with me? Mm-hmm. Oh, You're going to sing Come Inside My Heart, okay? Come inside my heart. Come inside is glorious. Come inside my heart. There's nothing more, nothing less beautiful. You know, God is just blessing. Wellness, thank you so much for your testimony today. What a blessing it is to hear. God is just setting her up and uh, teaching her boundaries, amen, to be healthy for her and her children, amen. 
and prospering her. Would you extend your hand that way and let's pray a blessing over her and her children? Father, I thank you for Nessie. God, I thank you for your presence over her life. I thank you that she belongs to you. I thank you that you're breaking the curses and you're speaking blessing. I thank you, God, that there's no stronghold greater than your love. Father, I thank you for victory in their home. I thank you for victory today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Will the ushers come up at this time? Let's bless the Lord with our offering. Miss Nancy, would you help her? That's her book. Amen. Well, what a privilege it is to give unto the Lord. Amen. We want to go ahead and honor God uh, with, with the offering this morning. And uh, we just want to continue to encourage you and thank you for your continued support. Amen. Let's bless God uh, for the offering today, for giving us this privilege to give. Father, we bless you again. And we thank you, God, today for the preaching of your word that happens week in and week out. Lord, we thank you that the work of your kingdom is partnered with our generosity. You don't need our finances or our resources, but you give us your resources, Lord, that we may pour them back into your kingdom. Thank you, God. Thank you for this incredible privilege. We pray that you take this offering, God, and that you will bless your kingdom through it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, wonderful, wonderful. It's incredible. Uh, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. Amen. And so it's encouraging to hear everything that's going on at the rock. So 